Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madvi, what's the topic this week? Before I start, if Rena sounds a little bit funny today, it's because she's got a terrible cold. It's not Corona, so no worries about that. So this week, we had a request, which we love, from our friend and listener, Ali Mann, who is a medical visualizer and who's been researching recently for her work everything to do with birth and babies. And apparently this kind of got her riled up, so she sent us a bunch of voicemails that kind of got us riled up as well about maternity and paternity leave. Firstly, she pointed out that there are actually very, very, very few studies on paternity because it's so ingrained that we expect the women or the mothers or the birthing people to actually do all the work when it comes to babies. They did find in a study in Spain that when the fathers took paternity leave, the fertility rate of the country went down because basically fathers understood the amount of work it took to raise children. And a study in 2012 in Sweden allowed fathers to take up to 30 days paid paternity leave in the first year after the birth of the child, showed that this had substantial improvement in the mental and physical health of mothers. Also, another stat that she provided us with from her research was that for every month a father spent at home on paternity leave, a mother's income rose about 7%, which kind of evened out that financial hit a little bit more. So basically, mothers really do take all the hits financially, emotionally, physically. And just to like show it in the context of maternity leave, infant mortality rate goes down by up to 9% when mothers take the first six months off, including the last month of pregnancy. And this is why, for example, the United States, which has no maternity leave, structures in place, the infant mortality rate is actually really high. And another study that she provided us with showed that children whose mothers worked in the first nine months were less ready for school. So this just got me thinking about just conception, babies, and how it's just all on the women. And also our perception is that it's all really a woman's responsibility. So that's what we're talking about this week. I think you a lot of times hear the phrase that fathers are babysitting their children. Have you ever heard someone say this? And it's like, cool. So if you're the father of the child, you're not babysitting. You're straight up just caring for your child. That's normal and what you should be doing. While researching for this, I actually came across a really interesting article in New York Magazine in which they quote sociologist Ari Russell Hochschild, who in 1989 wrote that they write checks and return phone calls, vacuum and keep an eye on the three-year-old, fold laundry and think out the shopping list. The tasks add up and so does the stress. As Hochschild pursued her research, she arrived at an unfortunate conclusion. Mothers typically work the equivalent of two jobs, one in public and another in private domestic sphere of the home. And it's kind of sad to think that maybe this hasn't changed all that much because I think that maternity and paternity leave plays a large portion into this because the majority of the child caring falls to women. Interesting is that in this article goes on to elaborate that when schools closed and children were forced home, in a study half of the fathers reported that they did most of the homeschooling 
And in the same study, only 3% of mothers asked agreed with this figure. We saw this a lot with Corona, actually, that when, you know, both parents were working from home and the children were at home too, there was a lot of frustration over, okay, the women were expected to take on all those roles, even though they kind of had to be working as well. Yeah. There was a really good article in the New York Times about paid family leave and fathers and how fathers' brains change when they're on paternity leave. It's by Darby Saxby, who is a professor of psychology at the University of Southern California, where she leads the Neuroendocrinology of Social Ties Lab, and she directs the USC Center of Changing Family. And she had this great sentence in this op-ed, and it is that fathers are made, not born. So the more time that they spend with infants... It kind of builds the fathering brain because the father's brain changes the more time they spend with their infants or hold them or do things with them. So, for example, when they see pictures of infants, it creates this emotional response in the amygdala, which happens for mothers, of course, too. But that's because mothers you know, spend a lot of time with their children. But the more time fathers spend with their children, the more they get this re- emotional response. But what was really interesting is there was a very, very rare study conducted with gay couples. Researchers found that the primary caregiver father in gay male couples showed basically the same brain responses to their infants that were very similar to mothers than like a secondary caregiver, which is like dads. So that the time devoted to childcare just shapes your responses, which is really interesting because like a father, what is a father, right? Like you just sire a child and then go off into the the world and that's basically what happens and you think you're a father, but that's not true. No, it's a lot of work and a lot of responsibility. I read a bunch of paternity and maternity leave outlines from different countries. And one of the things that I noticed was Sweden is one of two countries that in their paternity leave policies specify. So Sweden's, for example, specifies the father or non-pregnant parent. Great. Sweden and Canada are the only two countries that do this. Canada also says fathers and other parents. So this acknowledgement of maybe it isn't a heteronormative couple, which is super fascinating. Sweden is a really interesting example because Stanford economists studied a Swedish policy reform that made fathers more likely to take paternity leave soon after birth. And they found that women who became mothers shortly after this reform were 14% less likely to seek care for postpartum medical complications and 26% less likely to get a prescription for anti-anxiety medication compared with mothers whose babies were born before this reform in Sweden. And it's also like, in general, paternity leave makes marriages last for longer children feel more strongly bonded with their fathers even like nine years later there's so much research that says like hey this is a really good thing and meanwhile in the u.s the amount of paternity leave is zero and the average in the kind of global north is about eight weeks when i was looking at all these paternity leave policies i came across this picture i'm just going to show it to mudby quickly and it's a map of all the different paternity leave policies sort of mapped out And this goes along with what you said. Generally, Canada, European countries, Australia, these countries are all green, indicating that they have 14 or more weeks of paternity leave. Oh, also South Korea and Japan. 
And then you have, you know, as to be expected, it goes a lesser orange, which is less than three weeks, which is, is a few countries in... I mean, the whole of Latin America has quite a good... Less than three weeks. This is less than three has weeks. Less than three weeks yeah. And then Spain says three to 13 weeks, which is the one in Europe here. So basically, it's as you would assume it would be. And it made me think of this, which I saw. It's a meme and it says no one. And then it says every single statistic ever. And then it has essentially exactly the same map. <laughs> and like, I do think that there is something that needs to be acknowledged when it comes to all of these maternity and paternity leaves is that they're sort of built in with sort of a westernized idea of working. Because all these maps really show is like a capitalistic society invented this idea of the nine to five, which obviously... I'm not saying that capitalism and nine to five and the way that we live our lives in the global north is responsible for women taking on most of the child caring work. Yeah, there was a great meme the other day on Instagram that just said, yeah, the 40 hour week was invented on the assumption that somebody else would be taking care of the cooking, the cleaning and all the chores and the child rearing. But now both men and women are doing 40-hour weeks, so who's doing all the other stuff? Exactly. And oftentimes, in in different constellations, child raising was sort of split up between an entire village or families. And so this idea of, oh, you have two parents who kind of always care for the child. So I think that when you look at all of these statistics around, like, paternity and maternity leave, it's kind of easy to say, oh, well, well, in Europe, you know, we have really great maternity and paternity leave. But that doesn't take into consideration the fact that different cultures and different societies raise children differently. And just because, you know, we have sort of forced our way of living upon them doesn't necessarily mean that they're behind in any way. It is more of an indication of the fact that they used to do things their way, and now we're forcing our way on it and feeling superior for being better in that way. I just feel like that needs to be acknowledged, because when you look at this map, it's very clear which countries have good maternity and paternity leaves and which ones don't. But yeah, that isn't taken into consideration the history of these countries. Is there a country that used to do things better? Or have women always been responsible for or associated because the baby comes from them, it's therefore theirs? I think that probably, like, that's probably true, right? Mother and child is a thing. But I remember reading an article about a indigenous culture in Papua New Guinea, and they were talking about how the concept of parents is kind of abstract. So in the sense of just because you are a biological father or a biological mother to one child doesn't mean that you aren't responsible and don't have mothering responsibilities towards other children in your community. So the article was talking about how actually the duty of raising the children falls to all adults within the community. But all adults or all women? All adults. So the article specifically was talking about how because they don't have, in this very specific community, they don't have monogamous relationships in the way that we are used to in the global north and so all fathers are fathers to all children and so it was very specific towards fathers in this article yeah because in india for example when the person gives birth normally your mother or even mother-in-law moves in for the first six months and 
helps you out with all the other stuff so like to support you completely and also so that you can do maybe just like the breastfeeding and sleeping and resting yourself and then all the cooking and cleaning and everything else plus some of the childcare and other women will like support you in it so that happens but I don't know what the fathers are doing what are fathers ever doing another thing that this brought up for me was and I think this is a massive problem was the responsibility not only of just caring for the newborn after they're born but actually of conceiving and the responsibility of planning for having a child in the first place so women are always like there's a massive massive focus on our biological clocks and you know we have to really plan for like are we going to have a baby and then set ourselves up do we have enough resources do we have enough money can we now take maternity leave do we have a partner a lot of women are like really strategizing around this whereas men you speak to like i don't know 90% of men are like oh i can have babies until i'm 90 it's not really a problem they're totally laid back about it that's not true because sperm also affects basically offspring so the older men get their sperm quality deteriorates they do become less able to have children and they also the children that they produce are more susceptible to physical and mental difficulties there was this great article in the new york times about this study done at the university of Göttingen. it was titled do fathers who exercise have smarter babies and answer is basically kind of yes when the father is when a the paternal person exercises even if they haven't always exercised but exercises just before kind of conceiving or during the time of conception if they run or whatever this is a study based on mice but it kind of these micro rna filters down into the sperm which then makes offspring of these fathers a bit better at remembering stuff a bit faster at learning things like that and what i found was really really funny was the comments because obviously so many so many things so many factors affect us right it's not not just like nature or nurture it's just everything right and this is one of the things that that this study has shown that like father's sperm if they exercise it does have an effect on the offspring and people so many people were just so outraged they were like oh, I didn't exercise at all, but my kids are in Yale and Harvard and that's not true at all. And maybe it's to do with, you know, the amount of attention we give them. And she's like, yeah, sure. But people were so defensive and I think men were so, like they're not used to getting the blame also for certain things or having the responsibility because responsibility and blame go together. And mothers have always had responsibility and blame. So for us, it's not a big deal, but you could really see they weren't responding to the article in a kind of objective way. It was purely emotional. And I just found it really, for the comments on this article are hilarious. I'll link to it in our newsletter. Dr. Joanna Glitchlinka, who is a cellular biologist at the University of Georgetown, wrote, We know the nutritional, hormonal, and psychological environment provided by the mother permanently alters organ structure, cell responses, and gene expression in her offspring. But our study shows that the same thing to be true for fathers. His lifestyle and how old he is can be reflected in the molecules that control gene function. So I think, yeah. And how many women do you know who are like kind of keeping fit because they want to be fit enough to go through this massive physical challenge of making a baby, giving all the best of their body to the baby and birthing this baby? And then how many men actually are like, oh, I'm going to eat salads and exercise because I want to become a father soon. No one. 
Yeah, well, because the expectation around birth and the health of the baby still falls upon the woman, right? They, they have the responsibility and they will get the blame. And also, I just feel like men are not planning for or thinking about babies in this way. Like, that it's something that they have a responsibility for, that they'll have to change their also their bodies and their minds and their entire schedules for, because our society is just not set up for that. Paul Raburn, in his book Do Fathers Matter, writes about how scientists observed in the U.S. and Norwegian boys whose fathers were off fighting World War II during their childhood later had trouble forging relationships with others as they matured. But essentially, what this shows is a father's involvement in his child's life before, during, and after conception is super important, and men need to step up their game. So, on that note, here are three things you can do this week to be a better person. We got our three things this week from a mother called Rina Agarwal. And it's not me. It's a different Rina. She wasn't feeling too well also when we asked her to do the three things. So she wrote them down and we're going to read them for you. She says, number one, both parents should take as much time off, paid or unpaid, that they can feasibly take when the child is born. So the mother has support to recover postpartum and it's such a special time to bond as a family. Thing two, it is good for both parents to spend as much time together with the child as possible, one-on-one and as a family, as we all bring different things to parenting, and it's lovely to see this in action. And thing three, also for both parents to keep up and make the time for activities that they enjoyed beforehand so they are able to re-energize. Thank you very much to Rena for providing these for us and for your insights. And thanks to everyone else for listening. And of course, to Ali for sending us the requests. You can get in touch with us and request a topic if you like. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed for links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com you can follow us on instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback requests or just to say hi misinformed.podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you